Hello and welcome to Camel Screen Guild Players from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Lady Esther presents the Screen Guild Players. Screen Guild play tonight, The Devil and Miss Jones, the starring players... This is Lorraine Day. This is Charles Coburn. And this is George Murphy. Lady Esther presents the Screen Guild players in that delightful RKO story about the richest man in the world, the Devil and Miss Jones. Charles Coburn plays the richest man, J.P. Merrick. Lorraine Day plays Miss Jones. And George Murphy plays the boyfriend, Joe O'Brien. <laughs> As the richest man in the world, J.P. Merrick had almost forgotten he owned the Neely department store until the day the store's unhappy employees hung him in effigy. The next day, the store had a new employee. The personnel manager's confidential files described the new employee as Thomas Higgins, a private detective hired by the Merrick Enterprises. But when Higgins reached his home after his first day in the store, his butler greeted him with... Good evening, George. Did anyone of the store suspect whom you are, Mr. Merrick? No one. The personnel manager thinks I'm a detective. And the rest of the employees regard me as an old pauper. Can you imagine that, George? Me, a pauper? Well, congratulations, sir. A boy or girl, sir. <laughs> Confound it, George. Will you stop listening to Abbott and Costello? Where was I? You'd just become a papa, sir. Uh oh, oh, yes. <laughs> In fact, one of my new associates, a Miss Mary Jones, was so certain that I was impoverished, she forced me to share her lunch. We had tuna fish popovers. <gasps> tuna fish popovers? Yes, tuna fish popovers. And if I'm not sick tonight, or tomorrow at the latest, my fancy Dr. Schindler from Vienna wished that he was back in Vienna. Yes, sir. Uh, did, you, uh, uh, did you make any progress in uncovering the miscreant, sir? Well, I learned who hung that dummy of me outside the store. That's wonderful, sir. Who was it? A youngster named Joe O'Brien. He was discharged and barred from the store a week ago. But he has accomplices there who are still working there. Uh, do you know who they are, sir? Well, some of them. Miss Jones, the girl who shared his lunch, his lunch with me, is the most active. I hope you had her discharged today, sir. Well, I didn't. There's nothing vicious about Miss Jones. She just lets her heart run away with her head. 
Unfortunately, she's in love with Joe O'Brien. Perhaps you could persuade her to forget him, sir. Perhaps. At any rate, I'll try when we go to Coney Island tomorrow. You're going to Coney Island, sir? Yes. By getting friendly with them, I learn the names of every malcontent in the store. Besides, I haven't stood up on a roller coaster for years. Uh, yes, sir. Should I lay out your bathing suit, sir? <laughs> no, it's a little shabby. I better rent one at Coney Island. The last time I wore mine, I noticed it had a hole in the knee. <laughs> bathhouse locker, Mr. O'Brien? Yes, and for the fifth time, Pop, will you stop calling me Mr. O'Brien? The name is Joe. I'll call you Joe if you'll stop calling me Pop. My name is uh, Higgins, Thomas Higgins. Okay, Pop. You ready to go for a swim? No, thank you. I think I'll go over and talk with Miss Jones. Well, I'll walk over with you. Hey, Mary. Remember, nobody's going to be watching you, so don't show off and swim way out. All right, baby. Save me something to eat. Be careful. Don't worry, Miss Jones. Nothing will happen to Joe. He's a pretty good swimmer. He's pretty good at everything. You couldn't be prejudiced? Mm, maybe. Isn't it possible you're reading virtues into him that don't exist? Don't you like Joe? Well, that depends upon how much you're in love with him. And I don't think you're any judge. Who's a better one? Any outsider. Me, for instance. Look, there's a couple over there. He's biting her ear. Now she's biting his ear. <laughs> they think they were made for each other. I think they were, too. Do you think that if she hadn't met him, there wouldn't be someone else biting her ear now? Do you think he wouldn't be at some other girl's ear, probably ten feet away? Maybe, but it doesn't prove anything. Scientists can write all the books they like about love being a trap of nature, but all the scientists are going to convince are other scientists, not women in love. I don't say Joe's the greatest thing that ever lived. And I'm certainly not the greatest girl in the world. It's just, well, two people look at each other and, and they see something way deep inside that no one else can. And that's it. If they feel it, they feel it. Do you? <laughs> not in the way I see in movies or hear in songs. You know, the touch of your hand, you set me on fire. <laughs> I'm not the combustible type. But yet, if, if I knew I'd never see Joe again... Yes, I've never even thought of what it would be like not to see him anymore. But if I thought I'd never see Joe again, I don't think I'd care if I lived or died. I see. But what about Joe's uh, radicalism? Joe isn't radical, Mr. Higgins. Not radical? What do you call his hanging that dummy of, uh, of J.P. Merrick? Oh, he was just trying to draw attention to the way the employees were treated at the store. Why, J.P. Merrick probably doesn't even remember that he owns Neely's department store. He's the richest man in the world, you know. Really? Oh, you ought to see his house sometime. Have you been in his house? <laughs> no. But Joe's walked me past there. We thought we'd talk to Mr. Merrick, but somehow we always lost our nerve. Everybody says he's such a devil. I see. I think I'll go for a walk until it's time to eat. Maybe I can think of a way for us to get in to see Mr. Merrick. Well, don't you think you'd better get out of that bathing suit and into your clothes before you go wandering around? Well, there's plenty of time for that. Anyway, Joe has the key to the locker. Well, don't wander away and get lost in the crowd. Hmm. Think I'm a child? Get lost indeed. Sergeant, this man claims he was lost. Well, I am. <laughs> 
Said he couldn't find his bathhouse, and he was trying to sell his valuable watch for a dollar <laughs> so he could call his chauffeur. <laughs> I thought that was suspicious, so I picked him up. Well, it's suspicious enough for me. I would advise you two simple guardians of law and order for the sake of your own future and security to be very careful of any decision you make against me. Will you say that again? Well, we've been looking everywhere for you. Joe's gone to the hospital. What happened to you? I got lost. Well, thank heaven you're in one piece. Thanks for finding him, officer. Oh, that's all right, miss. Well, you can call your chauffeur on this phone, Pop. Chauffeur? What chauffeur? Yes, what chauffeur? Well, the chauffeur you were trying to raise money to call. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. Let me smell your breath. I never touch a drop. Oh, a cork sniffer, huh? Oh, you must be mistaking him for someone else. He's very poor. Say, what do you two do for a living? We work, of course. Where? Don't mention the store, Tom. We'd get fired. Where do you work? Why, uh, uh, at the automat. What do you do? Well, I'm in charge of blueberry pies. Uh, I put them in the little boxes. And what do you do, young woman? Why, I help him. I snap the boxes shut. Say, my feet hurt. Can't we be seated while this continues? You ought to be ashamed of yourself, Sergeant. How would you like it if someone treated your father like this? Is he your father? Yes. Girlie, I catch you in more lies. If he's your father, why did you call him Tom when you came in? Why, I always call him Tom. Come here. I'm going to ask you a question and you whisper the answer or I'll throw you both in jail. Where were you born? Whisper. 125th Street. Okay. Now, if this woman's your daughter, Pop, tell me, what street was she born on? 72nd Street. Well, for such close relations, your stories are a long distance apart. Your daughter said she was born on 125th Street, and you, her father, claimed she was born on 72nd Street. Well, well, we, we were living on 72nd Street, but she was actually born on 125th Street. And why was she born on 125th Street? There's no hospital there. Well, I didn't say there was. Her uh, her mother was standing in line at a butcher shop. <laughs> you know, uh, rationing. Say, what are you trying to give me? There was no meat rationing 21 years ago. Oh, well, her mother was ahead of her time. <laughs> all right, all right, that does it. You're the two who's been selling hot goods around here, all right. Mary. Joe. I'm warning you, girlie. Anything you may say may be used against you. What's happened? You go on home, Joe. Tom and I'll meet you there later. Quiet, you. How about using a more civil tone, officer? Who, me? Yes, you. Have they charged you with any crime, Tom? No. Well, then you don't have to stay here. Come on, go on out. You stay right here. You've got no right to keep anyone here without a charge preferred against them. Well, I can fix that. We'll hold them for violating the city ordinance, forbidding the wearing of bathing suits on the boardwalk. Now, how do you like that for a charge? Why, you couldn't hold it for ten minutes on a charge like that. Oh, would you like to see another charge? I doubt if you've got brains enough to think one up. Joe, keep quiet. Now, don't worry, Mr. Higgins. He can't shut me up with threats. Oh, no? Officer, did this man come along peaceful or did he pull back? Well, he made quite a protest, sir. Oh, he did, huh? Okay, resisting an officer. Now, would you like to see another charge, Sonny? Yes, I'd like it fine. You'd like it fine. Trespassing. Suits me. Soliciting funds. Keep on. Handling without a license. Oh, you're not frightening me. Stop. He's frightening me. <laughs> and we're throwing a little case of vagrancy. Now, how does that suit you? Just standing. A vagrant? Me? Oh, I haven't even started on you yet. Joe, Joe, what do you think you're accomplishing? I'm giving him enough rope to hang himself. You're giving me enough rope? 
Joe, you're an idiot. You're talking me into jail for the rest of your life. Who do you think this man is? A servant of the people, that's all. And a darn poor one. He works for me. I don't work for him. How do you like that? Let him put me in jail. He's not putting you in jail. It's me, you fool. All right, let him put us both in jail. I'll holler my head off. This is a free country, you know. Say, are you crazy? Who isn't? This just happens to be my own kind of patriotism. And you can't scare me with your small-time Gestapo. I don't care how small the right is. When you try to take it away, I'll fight for it. The Boston Tea Party was started over one penny. This is big enough for me. Now go ahead. Put me in jail. Don't tell me what to do. I'm running this place. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, well, don't look so startled, Sergeant. In case you don't recognize it, that's the beginning of our Constitution. I'll recite it for you. That'll make me look even more ridiculous, and at the same time, you might get to understand it. Where was I now? Uh, oh, yes. Ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, and secure the blessings of liberty. That's the way Joe is, Tom. If he thinks he's right, he won't give in to anybody. He's wonderful, isn't he? He isn't very practical. No, he isn't, but he's wonderful. You know, Sergeant, I don't like this. Yeah, me either. When they start reciting the Constitution, look out. Ah, what can one fellow like him do? It's not him. It gets in the papers. Those civil liberties fellows send a big lawyer down, and what happens in court looks like a murder trial. But a little thing like that? Oh, the way they mix it up. Winds up like Abraham Lincoln's trial. Lincoln? Uh, the last trail took two weeks. Two weeks? My vacation starts Wednesday. You spend it listening to Abraham Lincoln in a nice hot courtroom? Oh, my wife would skin me alive. Hey, you, quiet, quiet! I'm going to suspend charges on all of you. Now, get out of here. Oh, no, just a minute. You're not going to get off that easy. I'm not going to get off. We don't want any suspended charges hanging over our heads. We want the charges dropped, and we want an apology. All right, all right, all right. They're dropped. And I apologize. Now, get out. Thank you. And this for you, officer. Who, me? Yes, you. The next time you bring in a thing like that, I'll throw you right in the ocean. But, Sergeant, you know I can't swim. That's what I mean. As far as I'm concerned, you sink. Just, just a minute, Sergeant. Just a minute. You can't talk to an officer of the law in that manner. Oh, I can't, can't I? Get out of here, you busybody. Oh, no. I won't move a step until you apologize to that officer. Then make arrangements to have your meals brought in because I'll never apologize to him. Oh, you won't, huh? No. All right, you ask for it. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more... No, no, stop union... it, stop it, stop it. I give up. Officer, officer, I apologize. Well, that's better. Come on, Mary. I'll take Tom over and get him dressed. It's time we got started home. It sounds as though you had quite an exciting day at Coney Island, Mr. Merrick. Yes, George. That fool sergeant almost exposed me when he offered me the phone to call for the chauffeur. But the others, Miss Jones and O'Brien didn't catch on. No. They were too excited about my being arrested. In fact, Joe O'Brien didn't even notice when he dropped this paper. What is it, sir? An important paper? Very important, George. It's a list of 400 names. The names of all the employees who participated in hanging that dummy of me outside the store. Act One of The Devil and Miss Jones, starring George Murphy, Charles Coburn, and Lorraine Day. Before we hear Act Two, a word from our hostess. 
Lady Esther. The other evening, I was out walking, and I happened to look up at the sky. It was full of clouds, and it looked so dull and gloomy. But suddenly, one of the clouds blew away and revealed a beautiful sky underneath. It was a lovely soft blue and rose, all slashed with gold. And I thought as I looked at it, just as those clouds hide the beauty of the sky, a wrong shade of face powder can hide the beauty of a woman's skin. And just as the shifting clouds reveal the beauty of the sky underneath, so a change in powder shade often reveals the skin in radiant new beauty. I'm not suggesting that you are using a shade of face powder that is wrong for you. You may believe the shade you use is the most flattering of all, but are you sure? Color specialists say that the wrong powder shade can make you look older, that there is one right shade for your skin which can make you look far lovelier, far younger. Now, there's only one way to know whether your present shade is like the cloud that hides the beauty of the sky. Only one way to find the one shade that flatters your skin most. That is by trying the nine basic shades of face powder. Only then can you be sure that you have found your lucky shade. Why, the very shade that you might never dream of using may be the one shade that really brings out the color of your eyes, the glamour of your skin. I'll send you all nine shades of Lady Esther face powder, without cost to you, so that you can find your lucky shade. Try them one by one before your mirror. One shade will surprise you by seeming to take years from your looks. To receive all nine shades of Lady Esther face powder free, merely send a penny postcard to Lady Esther, Chicago. on Act Two of The Devil and Miss Jones, starring Charles Coburn as J.P. Merrick, Lorraine Day as Mary Jones, and George Murphy as Joe O'Brien. is telling his butler about coming into possession of the list of 400 employees who participated in hanging him in effigy. In another section of town, Mary Jones and Joe O'Brien are having a serious discussion. Now that the Neely department store is blacklisted me, Mary, I can't get a job in New York, so I just can't see you anymore for a while. What do you mean? Well, I mean I can't take up your time anymore. Is that what you call our relationship, Joe? Taking up my time? Well, I haven't any right to take up your time when I can't get a job. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Well, you might ask my opinion about that, Joe. What are your plans? Do you want to go out of town? I'll go with you. That's not such a terrible thing to ask me. Oh, Mary... If you want me to go with you, I'd like to go. I'd like to marry you. Even the way things are, I'm not afraid. You're not afraid? How long do you think you'd be in love with, with me living off your salary? Oh, that's nothing to be ashamed of, Joe, if you can't help it. Oh, not to you, but it is to me. You gave me a $5 wallet for my birthday and left the sales slip in so I could exchange it for the money. Next step, you'll be giving me the money, a quarter at a time. I can't be in love under those conditions. Well, then you're nothing but a coward, Joe, for all your bravery in police stations. You can't even face life. Afraid to get married because you might not be able to get a job. It's not me I'm worrying about. I'm not going to be locked in a hall bedroom watching you iron my shirts. And nobody's going to make me. Nobody's going to make you do anything except go home. Go on, unless you're afraid of the dark. Hello? Mary. Yes? Where can I find Joe O'Brien? He's right here, just a second. 
for you, Joe. Hello? Uh, this is Sam Johnson, Joe. Hey, look, we're in real trouble. What do you mean? Who, who's in what trouble? All of us. Thomas Higgins isn't what he, what you think he is. He's a detective working for J.P. Merrick. What? Yes. How do you know? I was going through the personnel files tonight and saw the notation on his card. He's been to the meetings. Why, he'll have us all fired. Now, wait a minute. He has to have some kind of proof. He can't just accuse... Oh, my gosh. What's wrong, Joe? Oh, oh, I just remembered. This afternoon, I dropped the list of names of everybody connected with our organization. And Thomas Higgins picked it up. Oh, what are we going to do? Now, look, you sit tight. I'll come down to the store tomorrow and get that list away from Higgins if I have to knock him in the head. But you can't even get in the store, Joe. Every doorman has orders to throw you out. Don't worry about me. I'll get in there if I have to disguise myself as Santa Claus and slide down the chimney. Good morning, Miss Jones. Good morning, Mr. Higgins. That was quite a nice outing we had yesterday, wasn't it? I'm glad you enjoyed it. I learned a lot of things about your Joe O'Brien that I'd never have expected. Joe learned a lot of things about Thomas Higgins that none of us suspected. Mm, what do you mean? I'll let Joe tell you. Are, uh, are you Thomas Higgins? Mm, yes. You're wanted in the general manager's office. What is you the general too, manager Jones. you want with me? He wants to fire you. Fire me? What for? Oh, it's been reported that you're a friend of Joe O'Brien's and Miss Jones. And he's going to fire me for that? Oh, you have nothing to worry about, Mr. Higgins. You can always save your own skin by turning in that list of names Joe dropped. What? You heard me, you... You Benedict Arnold in sheep's clothing. Is that so? I'll show you who's Benedict Arnold in sheep's clothing. I'll show that general manager something, too. going to show me something, were you, you rambunctious old billy goat? Why, I'll have you blacklisted and starved to death. Are you the general manager of this store? I am. Well, I don't know how you ever got the job. It happened that I was the cream of department store managers. Well, don't forget, yesterday's cream is tomorrow's cheese. <laughs> I certainly don't get it. Well, you will, you sourpuss. Sourpuss? Yes, I've seen happier faces on iodine bottles. <laughs> Why take out your ingrown disposition on these employees? Can't you understand that the dealing with them the way you do, you've brought on this civil war around here? That's why they're your enemies. Enemies? I haven't an enemy in the store. Then all your friends hate you. <laughs> I've worked with these people. They've got rights. Yes, and uh, just what would you suggest? I suggest that you get a different job if you can't get the confidence of your employees, you bumble-witted idiot. Say, Pop, you're all right. Don't you worry about anything, Joe. I can handle this nincompoop. Well, I'd uh, I'd like nothing better than to get the confidence of my employees. Oh, that goes right in one nostril and out the other. Who can I talk to? Who represents enough of these people to mean anything? Would you consider 400 employees enough, Mr. Allison? Yes, I would. Well, there's our representative, Joe O'Brien. Oh, but how do I know he represents 400 employees? Uh, where are the 400 names? That's the catch, Mary. You see, he wants the list of names. Well, without the names, I can do nothing. This isn't a trick, is it? Don't be foolish, Mary. Don't trust him. Well, if there's a right way, Joe, this is it. We're not being fair in asking for trust only on one side. Well, I'm against giving him the names. He works for J.P. Merrick. That doesn't prove anything, Joe. Yes, it does, Pop. He has to be crooked or he wouldn't be working for that crook. <laughs> Uh, just a minute, young man. Who said J.P. Merritt was a crook? Who didn't? Will you keep quiet? I can't hear myself think. Well, you aren't missing a single thing. <laughs> Mr. Higgins, 
Have you the list you picked up when Joe dropped it last night? Yes, I have. Well, give it to Mr. Allison, please. All right. Allison, it's going to be terrible if you fool these two young people. Give it to him, Tom. Very well. It's yours, Allison. Thank you. Now, you superannuated old jerk, how dare you come into my office and talk to me like you did? I can outwit morons like you every day on the week and twice on Sundays. That's why I'm sitting behind this desk and you're standing in front of it. I'm going to see that every name on this list... Miss Jones, give me back that list. Tom, take out this list and eat it. Why don't you argue? Hurry and eat your hat before he gets some of those store detectives in here and takes it away from us. Arlen! Hurry! Come in here quick! Too late. Now, you simpleton, I'll show you who can outwit who. Who are you going to fire now? You tell me the names of everyone on that list or I'll fire the whole fifth floor for a starter. Why, that's not fair. Many of the people on the fifth floor have nothing to do with it. Tell me every name or out they all go. Every one of them. Chambers, discard slip for everyone on the fifth floor. You can't do that to oh, us. can't I? Wait till you get your slip and see. All right, you do, and we'll take our case to J.P. Merrick himself. Oh, oh, oh you will, eh? Why, you old idiot. J.P. Merrick could have you thrown out of his house before you could open your mouth. I don't think so. Well, I'm telling you. Just how well do you know Mr. Merrick? He's a very close friend of mine. That's interesting. (laughs) What did you say your name was? Allison? I'll make a point of asking Mr. Merrick just how well he knows you. I wouldn't do anything rash if I were you, Higgins. I don't intend to. You ought to drop your idea of seeing Mr. Merrick. Oh, it wasn't my idea. Joe O'Brien and Miss Miss Jones had the idea long ago, but they didn't follow through. (laughs) That was very fortunate. Yes, fortunate for you and the rest of the petty dictators around here... This time, they're going to see J.P. And just what will that accomplish? Well, of course, I'm not positive. But if I were you, I'd start reading the help wanted, mail. Come on, Joe and Mary. Then am I to understand, Mr. Merrick, that Miss Jones and Mr. O'Brien still think you're Thomas Higgins? That's right, George. When I left them in the hallway, I told them that I was going to find Mr. Merrick and see if he would talk to them. Yes, sir. Well, open the door and tell them he'll talk. Very well, sir. See you now. Thanks. Gosh, Tom, you must know Merrick pretty well to bust right in like this. I probably know him better than anyone in the world. Has he talked with the general manager yet? Yes. Oh, well, I don't suppose he'll pay any attention to what we have to say, then. That's not fair, Mary. If he'll take time to see us, he'll at least listen to what we have to say. He's probably seeing us just because he's a friend of Mr. Higgins. As a matter of fact, he's very fond of both of you. Huh? Well, wh- what does he know about us? Well, as a private detective, I've learned a great deal about you both. And as a private detective, I recommended that Joe be made head of employee relations of all Merrick Enterprises. What? Yes. And as J.P. Merrick, I'm ready to accept my recommendation. As who? J.P. Merrick. J.P. Merrick? You, J.P. Merrick? The devil himself. Well, what do you say, Joe? Will you take the job? Oh, he certainly will, Mr. Merrick. Now he has no excuse for not marrying me. Well, Joe? Well, what can I do? I'm between the devil and Miss Jones. Thank you, Lorraine Day, Charles Coburn, and George Murphy for your fine performances with the Lady Esther Screen Guild players tonight. It was our pleasure to be here, Mr. Bradley. We're all a part of the motion picture industry, and so we know how important the motion picture relief fund is. Also that the relief fund receives the benefits from this series of programs. 
And now before we tell you about next week's program, I'd like you to listen to a word from one of America's best-known beauty authorities, Lady Esther. Thank you, Miss Day. Earlier on this program, I offered to send you free nine different shades of Lady Esther face powder. Did you ever stop to think that maybe the shade you're now using is not exactly the right shade for you? Well, here's your chance to find the shade of powder that is most flattering to your skin. When you receive your gift, try on one of the shades, for example, Rochelle. Look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, is this my lucky shade? Then try another shade. Try them all, one after another. When you find the shade that's right for you, you'll know it the instant you put it on. Your own eyes will tell you that at last you've found the shade that makes your skin look fresher and smoother, that makes you look younger. So just send me your name and address on a penny postcard, and you will receive all nine shades of Lady Esther face powder free. My address is Lady Esther, Chicago. I'm sorry, but government regulations will not permit me to make this offer in Canada. Next week, the Lady Esther Screen Guild players will present a rollicking farce comedy, Love is News, starring lovely Anne Sheridan and Jack Benny. Be sure to listen. Lorraine Day appears through the courtesy of Metro-Golden-Mayer Pictures. Miss Day can soon be seen in the RKO production, Mr. Lucky. Charles Coburn is now playing in the Columbia picture, The More the Merrier. George Murphy can currently be seen in the Metro-Golden-Mayer picture, Batan. Music on tonight's program was arranged and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. To save materials, buy the larger size of Lady Esther face cream. Truman Bradley speaking for Lady Esther, saying thank you. And good night. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. <laughs>